Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Chris, also known as the Emo Dragon on social medias. <laughs> um, I just wanted to start out um, by saying thank you for listening and checking me out. Um, I just kind of wanted to start this Substack to get things off my chest and deal with political frustrations and get it out in a, in a healthy way. <laughs> so anyway, um, one of the things I wanted to do, uh, starting out was kind of go over issues that affected me in a, a, a personal way in that I learned about them through like criminal justice or personal experience and, uh, they kind of helped shape my politics and move me to the left as, as a progressive. So, um, one of the things that I learned about, and it wasn't really until I got into criminal justice as a major, was civil asset forfeiture. Um, and this is something that that has maybe bipartisan, you know, support. I know that there are people that subscribe to um, libertarian principles that are, you know, should be against this if they're a uh, real classical uh, liberal, um, which I know a lot of people say they're libertarians, but then go on to support Donald Trump and things like that. So <laughs> um, anyways, uh, the, like one of the definitions uh, for civil forfeiture is that it allows police to seize and keep or sell any property they allege is involved in a crime. Uh, the owners of that uh, property don't ever have to be arrested or convicted of a crime for cash, cars, or homes, or land to be taken away permanently by the government. And it was originally presented to the public as a way to stop large-scale criminal enterprises and, and taking away the resources or diverting the resources. Um, but oftentimes today, that's not how it's being used it's being it's being abused and you can see just by that wide definition there that there's plenty of room for for the abuse uh, to be taken and, and legally so so we need to reform these we need to actually stop it abolish this law because it's harming more people than it's helping um, there's an article that's in the Washington Post um, from a while back that actually uh, tells about how federal officers are now taking more stuff than burglars. <laughs> um, according to a report from the Institute of Just or for Justice, the Treasury and Justice Departments deposited more than five billion dollars into their uh, asset forfeiture funds. In that same year, the FBI reported that burglary losses topped out at $3.5 billion. So, yeah, so now we're getting to the point where, you know, police have seized uh, federally $1.5 billion more than burglars have. So that's a pretty, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty messed up fact to think about. And it just highlights the abuse that's taken place over the years. Um, there's also an article in ProPublica uh, that shows how 
over the last uh, tw about 20 years, um, since 2000 it actually says, $68.8 billion in revenue has been generated from civil asset forfeiture. And one of the things that really sucks about this is it's been proven that this practice doesn't even work as a deterrent. So it's clear that it's time to end this practice. Um, also, check out ProPublica, um, ACLU, really good resources on, on civil rights um, and, and criminal reform, criminal law reform. Um, also, was something that I came across uh, when I wanted to uh, talk, uh, look, look up some more information about this uh, in doing this little recording. I came across this article in the USA Today that's written by um, Melinda Harris. She is a resident of Massachusetts. And about six years ago, um, she actually wrote this article. And about six years ago, uh, her car was taken by police. And the way that she was treated uh, in this case is just crazy. Um, she, she was woken up in the middle of the night and demanded, uh, the police demanded the, the, key, the keys to her car and threatened damage to it if she didn't comply. Uh, in the end, they ended up confiscating her, her car even though she didn't commit any crime. Um, she found out that she wasn't alone, and she's one of many countless Americans who've had their property taken away under civil asset forfeiture laws um, if they suspect it was used in a crime. So she was very shocked to find out that they suspected her son, uh, I believe it's Trev Travis, um, of selling drugs and what had happened is he had borrowed her car. And apparently while he was out, uh, police had stopped him. And they suspected him of selling, selling the drugs. And that's why they decided to seize her car. So needless to say, she was shocked by this. Uh, she didn't expect that he was involved in any criminal activity, let alone selling drugs. So um, it talks about how she... She kept uh, the fight on though over the over the years. Um, this happened in 2015, so about six years it, it took her to get her vehicle back. Um, it talks about some of the stuff that she learned, like that law enforcement agencies can keep property, sell it, and use 100% of the proceeds to to help pad their budgets. Uh, that there's no requirement that the value of the item seized is proportional to the crime that's being allegedly committed. Uh, the amount of money captured is staggering since 2000. This is uh, what I was talking about earlier, the ProPublica at, uh, article. States and federal government collected at least $68.8 billion, according to the Just, uh, Institute for Justice report. So uh, she found out, you know, this the, the odds are stacked against innocent people like herself. Uh, a lot of times it costs more to hire an attorney to fight the government than what the forfeited property is worth. Um, I, would, I would guess that especially the case with a car that as soon as you drive it off the lot, they talk about how it depreciates. So I'm sure over six years, the, the value of the car, um, you know, monetarily, 
definitely was a lot less than when she when she um, had it confiscated from her. Uh, the Institute for Justice reports that on the conservative estimation that hiring an attorney to fight a simple forfeiture case against the state costs at least $3,000, which is more than double the national median currency forfeiture. So, you know, many Americans can't afford a lawyer uh, or don't have the time to go through this entire process, and uh, it allows for, for the government to wrongfully take their property. So this is just, you know, she's just one of many people that this has happened to, and you know we need to we need to end this uh, end this crazy law that allows for police to just to to abuse it so easily. Um, and like I said, hopefully there can be some bipartisan support for this. Um, but it's pretty clear that it needs to end when when federal agencies have taken more than burglars. So. Anyway, this is something that really um, got under my skin as a CJ major, and one of the reasons I ultimately decided not to get into that field um, was was this. Uh, I think this was actually like the first issue that really, in, in the very in the very beginning of my I think like three hundred one policing class that I had taken. Um, that really got my attention. And then I ended up learning like the next week about the, uh, disparity, uh, in sentencing and in mandatory minimums for crack versus powder cocaine and saw like just how crazy that was with it being the same, the same drug. So anyway, just another thing I wanted to highlight. Um, thanks for listening. And, you know, hopefully one day we can get this law off the books create a more equitable system. So thanks again for listening and take care. Have a great weekend.